grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, my brothers, my sisters in Christ. Wake up and tackle the day before the day tackles you. The early bird gets the worm. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. What gets you out of bed in the morning? After a, hopefully, a nice night of deep sleep from 8 to 10 hours, what is it that leads you to lift up the covers, get under your slippers, and start your day? Is it this mentality that you got to tackle the day, right? <clears throat> Does a saying like one of these ring true in your brain? Tackle the day before it tackles you, right? you got to be a step ahead of everything on your calendar, of everything on your schedule. The, the day has all these demands, and it's going to be easy to fall behind, so you better get up early, better attack that day. The value here is independence, go-get-it-ness, proactiveness. Early bird gets the worm because life is a competition, right? Because the day ahead of you is going to have chances, going to have opportunities, and everyone is trying to get at those same opportunities you are. But if you get up early, if you get your day going, you can beat them to it. The value here is in superiority. Best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. The coffee's not going to drink itself. Get out of bed so you can enjoy those creature comforts that you know are waiting for you uh, uh, in your kitchen or out in the world value here is in enjoying life. What do you value? That's the real question. That determines what gets you out of bed in the morning. What do you value? Is it your independence, your proactivity? Is it your superiority, your early bird gets the wormness? Is it those creature comforts? Is it the folger, folgers in your cup? What do you value? And what do you do when it's not there. When you look at your schedule for the day and you know ahead of time that today's not going to be that productive because you got to go do jury duty or whatever. That today's not going to be all that much fun because of the tax tasks that you have to do. What are you going to do when there's no folders in your kitchen, no folders in your cup? Are you just at a loss? Does your, is your life over? In our lesson from Acts today, we see very clearly what the Sadducees valued. We see very clearly the reason they had for getting out of bed in the morning. And the reason that we can say for certain that we know what they valued is because of how they act when they feel that it is threatened. The land of Judea at this time, of course, is still under Roman occupation, the Romans control it, but the Romans thought it would be fine if they give a little bit of authority to these groups of Jewish leaders such as the Sadducees. The Sadducees and the Sanhedrin in this lesson, they're like the local court. They can weigh on, on certain decisions, can't make big decisions, they can't crucify anybody, they can't administer capital punishment, but they can decide some of the little stuff. They have a little bit of authority. And it seems that went right to the Sadducees' heads. They kind of liked being the people in charge on whatever level. 
They kind of liked their position of status. They liked the way people looked at them when they were holding court, when they could hold their fate in their hands, when they weighed on those decisions. They liked that. That's why things get so ugly. Because Peter and the apostles, what are they doing? They're just having a small group Bible study in Solomon's colonnade, a little gazebo, if you will, on the temple compound. And they were not the only small group Bible study being held on the temple compound at all. So what was wrong with them? And they were healing people, too. The blind were receiving their sight. People who were injured were being cured of their injuries. This was such a good thing. But the Sadducees would have none of it. Because what they valued most, their sway, their social influence, they perceived that that was under attack. Because people were flocking to Peter and the apostles. People were going to meet them and hear their teaching in droves. And people were loving it. They were loving Peter and the apostles. And they started to look with that look in their eye that the Sadducees liked so much at Peter and the apostles. So they said, we can't have this. They turn into the chihuahua barking at the much, much bigger dog. They overcompensate. They felt so threatened personally. They took it so personally that they have to arrest Peter and the apostles. They have to throw them into prison to show their force, to show their influence, to show that they're still the ones in charge, that they're still the ones who call the shots. How ugly things got so quickly. Brothers and sisters, this is what happens when we feel like what we value most is under attack, might be taken away from us. The Sadducees, they valued people's opinion. They valued their social influence. And that is something that can be taken away from you. If you're someone who values hard work, then if someone shows up who works harder than you, might take that personally. If you're someone who values creature comforts, you value that cup of Folgers, and if that's not there, then you're already having the worst day imaginable, right? When you value most in life something that can be taken away from you, you're setting yourself up for your own personal hell on earth. You put all of your eggs into one basket, such as social influence or whatever it is, then when you think someone's going to take that basket away, you can act just as ugly as the Sadducees did. But if you value and you treasure and you put all your eggs in a basket that can't be taken away from you, if you value something that endures forever, you become unshakable. You become invincible. You become like the apostles. How could they deal with all of these things happening to them in rapid succession? If Peter and the apostles cared about their social influence, cared a lot about people's opinions of them, then that first night in prison, that would have been the worst night of their lives. And then the angel shows up and frees them and says, okay, you're free. What I want you to do is go back into the temple compound. I want you to go back into preaching and teaching about Jesus. If they valued most of all people's opinions about them, they would say, no way. Look at where that got us last time. 
And then when the Sadducees came back and confronted them again, they would say, oh, that's it. We're done. We're not doing this apostleship stuff anymore. But of course, that's not how they act. This whole way through, they have this joyful confidence, this unshakable confidence. And where does it come from? Well, let them speak for themselves. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of this. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. How could the apostles deal with all that was happening to them? Because they learned to value and treasure Jesus. Because Jesus lived, they could deal with the Sadducees. If you think about it, the Sadducees were in the wrong. They were setting themselves up for failure by valuing people's opinions so much. And it gets to a point where you have to wonder, do people value you as much as you value them? Do people care about your opinions about them as much as you care about their opinions about you? What did people ever do for you? got to ask that question with whatever you put your value in. But Christ, he valued you first. What was Jesus' reason for getting out of bed in the morning if he needed one? Why did Jesus give up his throne in heaven to come live among us as a human being? You. Because he valued you. He wanted to save you. What was Jesus' reason for allowing himself to be stretched out on a cross and brutally crucified as a criminal? You, because he valued you. He wanted to forgive you of all your sins. And why did Jesus rise from the grave? Why did he come back to life? You again, to promise your resurrection, to promise your eternal life. And why? Did Jesus ascend into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty? Again, it's you, because he values you, the king of the universe, who is in control of all things. Jesus Christ himself has you on his heart as he guides this ship called the universe and our lives. He does it with love for you, can you imagine? And no one is going to knock Jesus off of his throne. No one can threaten Jesus or get him to go away. Jesus is unshakable. So when you value him, when you put your trust in him, when you believe in him, you become unshakable too. Because what you value most is what you obey. In our day and age, isn't obedience such a dirty word? Nobody wants to say that they obey anything. We want to think of ourselves as free thinkers, as independent, as intelligent people. And obedience seems to point in the op- opposite direction, right? 
that you don't think for yourself, that you are not independent, and that you're not even intelligent. But really, whatever you value most in life, that's what you obey. If you value other people's opinions about you the most in life, you will obey whatever it is you think they want you to do for them. If you value hard work and productivity the most in your life, you will obey whatever image of hard work and productivity has been drilled into your brain. The difference between these other things that we obey and Jesus is that Jesus is a much kinder master to obey. Because people, they can be mean. You can't control people's opinions about you. People can like you one day and for no reason at all can hate you the next. And hard work is kind of a a fish you can't really catch, right? There's always more you could be doing. There's always more productivity you could be having. It's something you'll be chasing your whole life if that's your most top priority. But Jesus, he's there for you. He loves you. He's in control. He's the king. What he wills is for your good. To obey Jesus is to be secure in Jesus, is to love Jesus, is to be in Christ and in his kingdom. That's where you are, brothers and sisters. You are in Christ. That's why the apostles could stand up to the Sadducees and say, we must obey God rather than human beings. I'm not going to lie to you. This verse of the Bible can be and has been used to justify a lot of bad stuff. We must obey God rather than human beings, I could say to myself as I speed 85 miles per hour down the highway because I don't like the law of the speed limit, for one example. We must obey God rather than human beings. That's not a license to look at the laws of our lands and to say, well, I'll throw that one out, but I'll keep this one. No, the apostles were commanded directly to go against their higher orders. They're saying, there's a chain of command here, guys, and Jesus has ordered us to be witnesses of his forgiveness of sin. Jesus has given us the command to share with people the only message that they will ever hear that can free them from bondage to sin. We're not going to disobey that order, they said, just because you say so, O Sadducees. The Sadducees just had to deal because there was no chance that the apostles were going to disobey a direct order from Jesus Christ. And neither will we. If anyone were to come in here and command us to go against what Jesus commands us to do, we're not going to follow because we have orders from a higher throne, from a higher authority. These orders come from someone who loves us. We have the same orders as the apostles. To take what we have, the message that has been shared with us, and to share it with others. Think of it. The fact that you are here, celebrating with us, worshiping Christ with us, is a direct result of the apostles following their orders. Because they shared Jesus with someone, that person shared Jesus with someone, and so on throughout the centuries so that you could learn that Jesus is your Savior from sin. 
But now the baton has been passed. Jesus says it's our turn. What reason, what more reason do we need to share the message of forgiveness of sins in our lives with the people that we know, with the people you're going out to lunch with later today, with the people you're going home to later today, with the people you'll wake up and see at work? What more reason do we need to share the forgiveness of sins with them than that this is the only message, the only way that they will be freed from bondage to sin, because it was the only way you were. And what greater comfort do we need than to know that Jesus, who is at the right hand of God, is also with us every day? What greater comfort do we need than to know that Jesus lives, and because he lives, we also will live, that no one can dethrone Christ, that nothing can happen to you to take away Christ's love for you. The apostles saw that. Because in the rest of the book of Acts, we see their efforts in sharing Jesus with other people. And sometimes it goes really well. Sometimes thousands of people come into this movement called Christianity, and it's a great, it's a great day. But other, other times, it does not. Other times, people get angry. People get aggressive. People pick up stones to throw at the apostles. Same message just different effects. Remember what you can control and what you can't. You can't control how people respond to you. You can't control how people feel about you, but what you can control are the words that you speak. What you can control are the things that you do. What you can control is living a life of obedience to Christ so that other people can see Christ in you and learn that Christ is for them too. In Jesus' name, amen.